I'm joined today by David Levinson, Sunil Thakur and Perry Williams of Sands Capital Management who were appointed as one of the satellite managers for our Global Equity Fund a couple of years ago. During that period there's been uh, a number of challenges in the global economy and I wanted to talk to the managers about those. David, let me start with you. What's been the impact over the past couple of years? Well, as you might imagine, we view short-term market volatility as a great opportunity uh, to make investments in amazing long-term growth businesses. Uh, and we've been taking advantage of some of the market volatility of late to do just that and upgrade our portfolio here and there. Uh, the portfolio has done quite well since inception in an absolute sense, uh, but has struggled a bit in a relative sense versus the benchmark, really I think for three big reasons. Uh, the first reason is we've had zero weight in Japan, and Japan has been up a lot, especially since late last year. You know, up something like 50% in yen terms, a little bit less in pounds or dollars. And we've had no weight there. Uh, emerging markets have been struggling lately. They're down about 10% uh, year to date. Uh, and that's an area where we've had about double the benchmark's weight. And then the third big area for us is, is our developed markets and U.S. weight, uh, which has done okay, but again has struggled for the kinds of businesses we own relative to the slower growing or more garpy value -y kinds of companies in the benchmark. So against this background, have you had to adapt your investment style? Now our approach has been the same for the last two decades. We really view ourselves as all weather investors over the long haul. Perry, perhaps I could turn to you now. You've recently joined the team as the third portfolio manager. What are your particular areas of responsibility? This is really about an evolution of the portfolio management team. I've been at the firm now going on 10 years. I've worked with both uh, Sunil and David uh, throughout that period. We have a great working relationship. We have good chemistry together. Uh, and, and really stepping back, we're putting additional resources behind an important strategy for the firm. Uh, we should emphasize that the process hasn't changed, the philosophy hasn't changed, and we're continuing to manage this portfolio the same way we always have. Sunil, David mentioned earlier that the portfolio doesn't have any exposure to Japan. Why is that still the case? Well, we've spent an enormous amount of time and resources over, over, the, over the years researching businesses in Japan, spending time on the ground in Japan, looking for businesses that we would like to invest in. And as David mentioned, we continue to have no weight in Japan, and we have not owned any businesses there since the inception of the strategy. Over, the overarching big picture reason for that is we simply view Japan as a very difficult region within the world to find growth economically and to find growth businesses specifically. It's fiscally challenged, it's demographically challenged, and it has a number of regulatory uh, and structural impediments uh, to finding great growth businesses. That said, we found some businesses that we like quite a lot, but when we combine the environment in which they operate with the valuations that some of these businesses trade at, we're quite comfortable remaining on the sidelines. David, back to you. Um, similar to Japan, China's been experiencing uh, some difficulties recently. Perhaps you could help us understand why you're finding growth opportunities there. Well, for many years, our tagline around the Chinese macro environment has been what we call the big pivot, which is how we explain China pivoting away from being an investment-driven economy uh, to one more driven by sustainable things like consumption. So we really think about it as slower but better growth to the future. Uh, and our tagline today is called pacing the pivot. Uh, we tend to own businesses in China that benefit from ongoing changes in the pattern of consumer spending. Companies like Las Vegas Sands, 
Prada, Ting Yi. Uh, and recently, we've been fortunate enough to have Conviction and Opportunity line up in a company called Baidu, which we initiated as a top 10 weight over the last few months. The portfolio is overweight in, in Latin America, I believe. What sort of companies are you finding attractive investments in that part of the world? We're finding lots of businesses that are fundamentally attractive and are growing at above average rates. Uh, companies like Natura, which is a leader in the cosmetic space. Companies like Raya Drogacil, which is a leader in the drugstore space. And companies like Mercado Libre, which we've owned since the inception of the portfolio. Mercado Libre is the largest third-party e-commerce platform in the region. They also operate the largest online payment network. The, if you look at Latin America, you've got 500 million people with very low internet penetration. It's around 35% today. That's compared to about 80% in developed markets. Mercado Libre today has 100 million registered users. Now, a significant subset of, that, of those users are transacting on the platform. But together, they represent about $8 billion in gross merchandise volume. That's kind of like retail equivalent sales. But retail is a percentage of, or e-commerce is a percentage of overall retail in Latin America is still very, very small. It's only around 1% of all retail sales. So we think that GMV for Mercado Libre can go from around $8 billion today to upwards of $25 billion in five years. So significant growth over time. And again, they represent the dominant platform in the region. Sunil, your approach is to identify market leaders, uh, and I know you've got an investment in Visa in the portfolio at the current time. Perhaps you could help us understand why you've chosen to invest in that company rather than American Express or MasterCard, perhaps. We own Visa because we consider it to be the leader relative to those other players in the industry. MasterCard and American Express are both excellent businesses in an absolute sense, and relative to most businesses that one could invest in, they are among the leaders. But Visa stands out as different from the other two. In the case of MasterCard, relative to MasterCard, Visa has a much higher share of its sales coming from the faster growing regions of the world. It also has a two to one lead over MasterCard in the fastest growing part of the payment industry, which is debit cards. We put those two together, that makes Visa a more compelling investment opportunity in our minds from a leadership perspective than MasterCard. Similarly with American Express, when you buy American Express, you own two businesses. You own a closed loop payment processing network that looks a lot like Visa and MasterCard. You also own a lending business with a very large balance sheet. When we own Visa instead of American Express, we get the part of American Express that we like without the part that we prefer not to own. So again, all three of those businesses are outstanding businesses in an absolute sense, and they are leaders broadly defined. But if we want to own the leader in a concentrated portfolio, in this industry, our view of that company is Visa. Apple is clearly one of the world's most recognizable global brands, and yet you've been selling down your position. Does this represent a change in view towards technology stocks? You're right. We have sold out of Apple. It was a long-term holding for us. <clears throat> to the future, uh, we don't think that the growth with, uh, with Apple's business will, is as attractive as it has been historically. We're also concerned on the margin with Apple being able to maintain its competitive advantage. When you look at the, at the technology space, we still think it's fundamentally attractive, and we continue to find lots of, of, of opportunities around the globe. Uh, lots of businesses that are innovating and, and really leading the global economy. Some of our largest positions in technology today include ASML out of the Netherlands, Arm Holdings out of the UK, 
And one of our more recent additions to the portfolio, as David mentioned earlier, is Baidu. Baidu is a leader in online uh, search in China, levered to not only um, uh, online advertising, but specifically keyword search. We've been tracking Baidu for years, and we followed it uh, uh, principally you know, uh, in coordination with our, our research on Google. And we had an opportunity to build a position uh, earlier this year as the stock sold off as a result of the company making investments in, in its business specifically around mobile, which we think are the right investments given that consumers are increasingly spending time on mobile handsets and that's where online advertising is moving globally. You mentioned Baidu. Have you had any uh, other stock additions to the portfolio over recent months? Yes, we have. We've been taking advantage of some of the recent market volatility. Uh, for example, we've changed our view on India and begun to see it as a real potential for a tailwind economy, uh, which is a big shift from the headwind economy uh, that we've been thinking about for the last several years. Uh, in addition to that change in thinking, from the macro backdrop perspective, we've been given some great opportunities by the Indian stock market uh, to initiate positions in a couple of companies, uh, Titan Industries, which is a jewelry store chain, and Jubilant Foodworks, which is the Domino's Pizza franchisee. With Titan Industries, we think Titan will be a dominant player in the formalization trend in the retail jewelry industry, uh, as well as probably being a big player in other things like watches, glasses, and accessories over time. Uh, and the opportunity with the price of Titan has been created by a lot of noise around what the government is trying to do uh, with gold leasing and gold import restrictions, which we think will be short-lived. Uh, in the case of Jubilant Foodworks, the Domino's Pizza franchisee, uh, we think trends like eating out, uh, having food delivered to your home, and trends toward Western-style quick-service restaurants uh, are in their infancy in India, which is a very large country, uh, and we think Domino's will be able to build hundreds and hundreds of stores, uh, if not thousands, across the Indian continent over time, uh, and then be able to add additional brands to their platform, such as Dunkin' Donuts. Sunil, finally to you, if I may, uh, perhaps you could help our listeners understand why the portfolio is currently positioned to deliver attractive long-term returns. Our conviction in our ability to sustainably generate above average investment returns is rooted in our obsessive focus on the consistent execution of a time-tested research and investment process. It's focused on our six investment criteria and our team of 30 investment professionals that have been investing together for many years. And it's the consistency of our process, the consistency of our philosophy, and the consistency of our people that we think ultimately drives the consistency of our investment returns over time. Sunil, David, Perry, thank you very much indeed for your time. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.